And we are entering a really funny season. The summer is a really funny time, um, especially when you're at school or leaving school. Because in the summer, in the six weeks holidays, when somebody says to you, what school year are you in? It's always a funny one, isn't it? Because you're like, well, I, I was in year eight, but um, in September I'll be in year nine. Or oh, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I've finished school, I've done my exams, or I'm going to college. Or, you know, well, I'm kind of youth, but I'm not yet young adults because I haven't started. And it's a, it's a funny season and knowing where, um, where to put yourself. And I think it's kind of similar to one o'clock in the morning. Now, one o'clock in the morning, like, if you say to somebody, like, if you went to bed, if you said, like, if, who went to bed after midnight last night? Like, so when you say the time that you went to bed, you said, oh, I didn't go to, one, to bed till one o'clock last night. But actually, one o'clock last night was one o'clock this morning. So, like, when you say, oh, I'm, I'm you know, you're going on holiday and I'm leaving, for, I'm leaving on holiday and I'm going at three o'clock in the morning on, is it, like, Tuesday morning or is it Monday night? I always find it a funny thing to call it. Does anyone else struggle with that or is it just me having my own little crisis? Yeah, someone else is nodding as well. Other people struggle with it as well. And midnight is this, like, strange time where one day turns into another day, like, it's almost like or like a number changes, doesn't it? And it goes from being Monday to Tuesday. It goes from being the fourth to the fifth day. Like, it's this magical moment. I find New Year's Eve, like, really strange. But it's like this mystical countdown to the end of the year. And it's always a bit of an anticlimax. But that that thing where people think that because because a, nine turn, a 19 turns to a 2 and a 0 at the end of the year, that all of a sudden there'll be a new year and a new you, and suddenly all your problems will change because the year has changed, and actually it doesn't. You get halfway through January and think, oh, yeah, same old problems, same old troubles, same old mess that I'm in. But, you know, midnight is the setting and the scene for what we're going to look at tonight. You see, midnight is the time that the Bible story that we're going to look at appears, and it's the setting that we find ourselves. And what we're looking at is Paul and Silas in prison. Now, Paul, if you don't know who Paul is, Paul was a guy who used to go around killing Christians. That was his job. He was trying to destroy all the Christians to stop the Jesus movement. But he had this encounter with Jesus that transformed his life. And he realized, I need to stop killing Christians and start making Christians. And he went around uh, around all over the place, setting up churches, telling people about Jesus and encouraging them to start churches so that they could tell people about Jesus. And Paul was off doing this. And actually, he, um, he went to this place called Philippi, which is where this story is set. And um, there's a guy called Silas who was from one of the churches that Paul had previously set up. And the church had sent Silas along to help Paul to be with him, to give him some company, to carry his Bible for him, to, to learn from Paul and be like almost like a little, um, a little apprentice. And what happens is, is that they're in this place called Philippi, which is where the book of Philippians comes from. Um, so you need to remember that for later. But they're wandering around Philippi. They're telling people about Jesus. And Paul and Silas have this woman following them. And it's not the kind of good thing when a woman follows you um, where, you know, it's not because she fancies them. It's because this woman has like what the Bible calls an evil spirit. She's possessed by a demon. And she's shouting all this stuff out when Paul and Silas are trying to tell people about Jesus. She's shouting all this stuff and annoying Paul and Silas. And it gets to the point where Paul just loses his temper. And he turns to the woman 
and he casts the demon out in the name of Jesus. And this woman has this demon lever, and then it really kicks off. And we're going to read it. Um, it's going to come up on the screens. It's from Acts chapter 16, and we're starting at verse 19. And it says this, when her owners, the, the woman's owners, realized that their hope of making money was gone, because they were making money off this woman who had some sort of evil spirit, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Verse 20, they brought, brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Do you know, just because God is for you, it doesn't mean that people won't come against you. You know, when you're trying to live your life for God, there will be people that come up against you and join attacks against you. And you will feel like sometimes you can't do right for doing wrong. And this is what Paul and Silas feel in this moment. And it goes on saying, the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. See, Paul and Silas, they're in Philippi to tell people about Jesus. And all of a sudden, they find themselves locked in jail. They're in prison. Imagine what they must be thinking in that moment. Imagine what Paul must think. He must feel so frustrated. He must be sat there going, this isn't what I'm here for. I'm not here to be in prison. I'm here to tell people about Jesus, maybe. He's frustrated with that woman who was doing his head in. And he's like, if she hadn't been following us around, we'd still be out there telling people about Jesus and setting up the church. But no, I'm stuck in prison because of that stupid woman. Or maybe he's frustrated with himself. And he's going, oh, I wish I'd acted with more patience. I wish I hadn't just switched and done that. Because if I hadn't done that, we could still be out there and doing what I think we were supposed to do. Maybe Paul's having a moment and going, oh, is this the right thing? Is this what I should be doing? Should I, should I be in Philippi? Because actually, a few chapters earlier, Paul and his mate Barnabas have this little falling out, and they fall out because Barnabas thinks they should go to this place to tell people about Jesus, and Paul says, no, no, we need to go to Philippi and tell people about Jesus. I wonder if Paul is sat there going, oh, maybe Barnabas was right, you know. Maybe I should have gone over there and not ended up here. You know, maybe... Silas is a bit frustrated as well. He's going, I didn't even do anything. Like, I just stood there and watched as Paul got annoyed with a woman, cast a demon out, and suddenly I'm getting beaten and thrown in prison. How is that fair? I was just stood there. Maybe he's thinking, you know, Paul, I wish, you, I wish you'd have controlled your temper. That frustration you feel with a mate when it all kicks off and you're like, this is all your fault, mate. I was just here to stand with you. Like, imagine what frustrations Silas must feel and... Maybe, maybe you get how they feel because that's how you feel at the moment. Maybe you feel like you keep trying to do the right thing, but it keeps going wrong. Maybe you find yourself consistently surrounded by people who are getting you into trouble. Maybe you're finding yourself constantly making the same mistake time and time again. Maybe you feel like everyone keeps coming up against you. Maybe you're questioning why you even follow Jesus in the first place. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're thinking, why did I even come to this place? Because that guy looks weird and sounds weird. What on earth am I doing here? Maybe 
you felt called in the past and you felt like God's called you to go to your mate, but you're, you're questioning, can I even be bothered? Is it worth all the trouble? Maybe, maybe you're asking the question, why does nobody else get this like I do? And the context to this comes in verse 25. And it says this, about midnight. They've been put in the prison and it's about midnight. You know, midnight is literally the, the transition from one day to the next. The Roman clock called it midnight because it was, exactly, it was exactly halfway between sunrise and sunset. It's effectively the furthest you'll ever be from light. You know, it's kind of like June the 25th. June the 25th is the furthest that you will ever be from Christmas Day because it's slap bang in the middle of the year. And therefore, midnight is effectively the darkest that it can ever get. It's the darkest that it can get, and that is deliberate, don't panic. You see, at midnight, they're placed in the inner cell, the cell that's, that's the furthest away from freedom, the, the cell that, that, that is right in the center of the jail, that even if they were to break out of that cell, they'd have to break through another cell and another cell and another cell. They're in the middle of this dark, dark place. It's about midnight. It is the darkest that it can get. You see, they're the furthest from light. They're the furthest from hope. They're the furthest that they can get from freedom. Maybe it's midnight for you. Maybe this is how you feel. That you feel far away from hope. You feel far away from freedom. You feel far away from light. Here's what Paul and Silas did at midnight. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Get this. When they were at their darkest moments, they worshipped. When they were at the bottom of what was going on in their life, they sang. They prayed. They sought God in the hardest moment of their lives. You see, sometimes worship is all you've got. Sometimes when life gets dark, when it all crams in around you and you feel like giving up, when you feel like letting go, the only thing that you've got left is to worship, to praise, to say, God, it doesn't feel good at the moment, but I'm going to say that you are good. And it goes on to say in verse 26, if we can have the lights up again, that would be great without the red because there we go. Um, it says in verse 26, suddenly, everyone say suddenly. Say it like you mean it. Suddenly, much better. There was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You see, at midnight, there's uncertainty. At midnight, there's questions. At midnight, there's confusion. But midnight is the transition through to suddenly. You see, at the start of verse 26, it says about midnight. But uh, Sorry, at the start of verse 25, it says about midnight. But at the start of verse 26, it says suddenly. You see, getting, getting from verse 25 and midnight to verse 26 and suddenly, it is all about focusing on who Jesus is. You see, if you want to make sense of the season between 25 and 26, if you want to understand midnight, you've got to fix your mind on Jesus the bottom line of what I'm trying to say and I want you to remember tonight is this. When things stop making sense, make your senses turn to Jesus. 
when things stop making sense, make your senses turn to Jesus. So how on earth do you do that? How do you do that in midnight, in the, in the midst of a prison? How do you turn your senses to Jesus? Well, I'm going to look and pull some stuff, pull three points out of the book of Philippians. And the reason why I've chosen the book of Philippians is because um, the book of Philippians was written by Paul, who's in prison with Silas. And they reckon it was written 10 years after this moment. And actually, Paul is writing this book of Philippians to the people in Philippi where Paul was in prison. So he is 10 years out of prison and he's writing a letter to the people that he set up a church in Philippi. And he's writing this. And they reckon as well, he wrote this whilst he was in prison in Rome. It seems like wherever Paul went, he got put in prison. But, you know, he is writing this stuff and he's saying, hey, I've been through what you're going through. I get what it's like to try and follow Jesus in Philippi. Therefore, I'm going to encourage you because, you know what, when you go through stuff and you come out the other side of it, you can then help other people come through it. But only when you've come through it and gone to the other side. So we're going to look at three points that you can do to turn your senses to Jesus when it doesn't make sense. The first point is to pray. And it says this in Philippians 4 verse 6. Paul says this, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, seeking God in the midst of the situation is so, so important. In every situation that you go through, in every circumstance that you find yourself in, present that to God, bring it to God. You know, when you are anxious, when you are worried, God wants to give you peace. And Paul literally says it in that verse, if we can have it back up, right? Um, it, it literally says it transcends all understanding. It says, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means we won't flip and understand it. But when we're anxious, when we're worried, God wants us to bring that to him so that he can give us peace. When we're in the midst of midnight, when we're in the middle of a season that doesn't make sense, when we don't know what's going to come next, we need to bring that to God. You know, prayer helps us to make sense of the season. And maybe you can't find the words to pray. Get people to pray with you and pray for you. You know, I'm in so many different uh, kind of WhatsApp groups and text groups where um, people will text and say, can you pray for this? You know, my, my three best mates will we'll banter and we'll send each other gifts and all that kind of stuff. But we will we'll send each other a message saying, hey, I'm really struggling with this or I've got this going on. Can you guys please pray for me? Because I'm really struggling. Or, you know, our connect group, we, we all send out saying, hey, can you pray for me this week as this? Can you pray because I've got this going on? Like, getting people alongside you that can pray with you and for you is so, so important. Guys, get, get some sort of WhatsApp and chat group that you can with people that you trust that will stand with you and pray that you can text and say, hey, I don't understand this season right now, but I need you to pray that God will show me what is going on. Part of praying is finding a way to spend time with God outside of church, outside of crews, outside of threads, outside of the stuff that we do here at Life Central. Because, you know, over the next 
eight weeks, so the next two weeks and then into the summer, like Life Central Youth's going to take a little bit of a, of a break, isn't it? Because we're only, we've only got Limitless Festival and then um, there's all sorts of other stuff going on and you're going on holidays, so we don't run cruise through the summer. And, you know, this is an ideal opportunity for you to find a rhythm where you spend time with God outside of church activities. Because God wants to spend time with you. He wants to hang out with you. Find a, find a rhythm where, you know, maybe, maybe you're probably all sleeping until 11 o'clock through the summer, let's be real. But maybe when you first get up, you, you go for a walk and you spend some time with God. Or, you know, you go and find a tree that you can climb and that's your God tree. And you go and sit in that tree and spend time with Jesus in it. Or, you know, you, you find a, a, a space in your house that you go and that's the time that you spend and you pray with God. Someone said this to me recently. You can't be hungry for God and have a non-existent prayer life. We can't say that we're hungry to spend time with God, that we're hungry for God to move in our lives and have a non-existent prayer life. We've got to find a way to pray. Paul and Silas in prison, they found a way to make sense of the season that they were in by praying. And maybe, maybe one of them didn't feel like it. Maybe Silas went, Paul, maybe we should pray. And Paul goes... I'm really annoyed. I think you need to pray, Silas. And Silas just goes, dear God, help. Amen. <laughs> Maybe he just didn't know the words to say, but they found a way by praying together. And there's two sides to prayer. There's present, it says in that verse, present your requests to God. There's bringing that to God. And so often I think when we pray, it's a one-way conversation as we go, dear God, I really need this and I'm really worried about this. And can you, can you sort this out? And can you make this person stop doing my head in? And can you help me with this? And can you make me a millionaire? And I'd really like a nice car and a nice wife, amen. And then we go off. But actually there's two sides to prayer. There's, there's, there's the present and then there's the, the listen. And spending time just listening. And if you were at the conference yesterday, Jet talked about, and she sat down here and she talked about waiting and just praying and presenting your requests and then going, God, I'm going to wait. And just spending time in silence and saying, God, what, what are you saying? Find time to wait on God. The second point is sing. Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, just in case you didn't understand. Just so you know, it's really important. Rejoice. You know, God's, God's goodness doesn't change when our circumstances change. God is always worthy to be praised. You may have heard me tell this story before, but years ago when I was in um, part of a missions team, we were going out to do some social action stuff um, around the northeast of England. And my team, we were going to Chesterley Street and we got to this church. There was about 30 of us that turned up on this coach. And we were ready to go and serve people and go and tell people about Jesus. And we were ready to go and pick up poo for Jesus and all this kind of stuff. And we were dead excited. And we arrived at the church and the vicar didn't look excited. The vicar actually looked really sad. And she told us that the day before we got there, one of the members of their church, one of the team that was meant to be with us that week, she died in a tragic accident the day before. And the church just didn't know what to do. And we didn't. I was, I was in my early 20s. I was just like, I had no idea what to do. And we kind of sat around and thinking, right, we'll, just, we'll find another project. We'll go somewhere else. 
we'll find something else to do. We'll just leave you guys in your grief. And the vicar eventually grabbed us all together and pulled us into the church. And she said, we're going to go ahead with this project. But first, we're going to spend some time praying. And we're going to worship and we're going to sing. Because two days ago, God was good. Yesterday, God was good. Today, God is good. And tomorrow, God will be good. And I've never forgotten that. Because in the midst of such tragedy, she knew that the circumstances that were before us didn't change the goodness of God. And no matter the circumstances, no matter how midnight it is in your world, God is still worthy to be praised. And I wonder if Paul and Silas in the jail cell, like maybe they needed to sing together. Maybe they needed to be reminded that Jesus was mighty to save and they're singing that. Or maybe, you know, maybe Silas is going, maybe, maybe we just sing Waymaker. And Silas starts going, Waymaker, miracle worker. And Paul's like, shut up. And then he's got, come on, come on, sing. Light in the darkness, my God. And Paul starts joining in, and all of a sudden, they're singing it, and they're, and they're like, just these, these Holy Spirit pads come in in the background, and the, the, you know, the, the band and the lights and all the jets go off, and they're like, ah! maybe, maybe they needed to find a way to raise a hallelujah. In the middle of their storm, maybe they were just going, we're going to raise a hallelujah to Jesus. We're going to say, God is good. I don't get why we're in the inner cell. I don't get why it's midnight and I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Maybe they be re- needed to be reminded of who God was and is. You know, when we worship, it speaks to our soul. It declares stuff over us. It reminds us of who God is and that he is in control that's why I love that song that we just did there. The, the, you know, my God isn't finished yet. He did it before and he'll do it again. Singing those words reminds us that when it's midnight and we're confused and we don't know what's going on and we feel in this in-between stage and in-between seasons and we can't make sense of what's going on, we need to be reminded that God was faithful before and he'll be faithful again. That's why we need to worship. So maybe... Over the summer, you can find a way to worship where, where you know, you, you can't come in here on your own. That would be weird. Um, but maybe you need to find a way to worship that you download some, um, some worship albums on Spotify or Apple Music, whichever you use. Maybe you need to find a way to, to make sure that you're a church as much as you can. Maybe, you know, when we're at Limitless Festival, those of you that are coming to be all in when it comes to worship there, that you're just going to sing and you are going to worship and you're going to put God's praise on your lips. Our third point as the band come back up to play and play some music underneath me to make me sound better than I am, um, is declare. In Philippians 4 verse 12 and 13, Paul says this. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want." Most of you will have heard this Bible verse. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You see, Paul is speaking out what he already knows. He might not feel it in this situation, but he's speaking it out. And maybe that's what they did in the jail cell. Maybe that when they were in prison, that's what they were doing. Is they're saying, hey, we faced this kind of thing before. We can face it again. We can do all things through God who gives us strength 
Craig Grissel says this about that passage. He says, Paul's words were less about motivating the Philippians to accomplish great things and more about inspiring them to trust God despite horrible things. In fact, the original language reads more like, I have strength for all things. You know, what you speak out, you create. If you go around all the time saying, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm bored, guess what you'll be? Tired, hungry, bored. Because what you speak out, you create. You know, about six weeks ago, me and Laura and some of the equipped guys, we were out in Albania, and me, Laura, and Harvey, we went for a run um, together, and um, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a thing. And uh, the, where the church is in Albania, it's it's about three kilometres from the beach. So we decided we were going to run to the beach and back. And in in uh, Albania and on the beach in Doris, there's this man-made structure that all the locals refer to as Everest, but it's basically like these just big steps that go out into the sea. And um, we said, look, we'll run to the top of Everest and we'll run back. So we ran down to the beach and it was great and I was fine and we got to the front and I suddenly could see Everest, but I was like, I am, I am struggling here. But I was like, I'm going to get to the top of Everest and Harvey did his, you know, his athletic thing where he just put his head down and he ran off because you know, because he's Harvey. And he ran up and he ran and he got to the top of Everest and then me and Laura um, like came just behind him, struggling and panting and sweating. And we got to the, Everett, the top of Everest, we took a break. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure I can do that again. I can't run that distance all the way back to the church. But I thought, I'm gonna give it a go. And so then we set off and we come down Everest and we were running along the front. And I said to Laura and I said to Harvey, I'm struggling here. I don't think I'm going to be able to run all the way. I'm just going to do 5K. And they both went, no, come on, Andy, you can do it. And I was like, no, 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 I'm really struggling. I think I'm just going to do 5K. But I tried to keep pace because I'd had too much souflatchi, which is like Albanian kebabs. I'd had too much souflatchi. I was struggling and I just had to slow down and it's, the one and only time ever that Laura will beat me on a run. And Laura and Harvey, they ran off ahead and I could see them and I was thinking, I could just walk and nobody would know. But I said to myself, get to 5K, Andy. You do 5K regularly, you can do it. And I'm talking, literally talking out loud to myself while I run, going, Andy, come on, you can do it, get to 5K. And like no one was looking at me weird because no one speaks English, so it was fine. They all just thought I was speaking Scouse Albanian and suddenly I was getting towards 5K and my phone beeped and it went five kilometers. And something rose up inside of me and I went, come on, Andy, you can get to the church. And I was just, for that last 1.2 kilometers, I was running and all I was saying is, Andy, you can do this. Andy, you can do this. Andy, you can get there. Andy, you can finish this run. And I finished the run. I didn't stop. I didn't have to walk. But I had to speak out over myself what I could do and let my feelings catch up to what I was saying. You see, in the prison, Paul and Silas knew that they had to speak out some stuff to themselves because they felt frustrated. They felt low. They felt confused, but they had to speak out that God says, you have all strength for all things. You see, my mum's got a little fear of flying and 
um, whenever she comes to getting on a plane, well, she used to do this. I haven't flown with her in a while because I'm not allowed to go on holiday anymore with my mum and dad. Um, but when she used to. She had this song that just said, I will not be afraid. And when the plane taxi drowned, she'd have it ready on her iPad or on her phone and she'd put her headphones in. And the moment the jet engines went and everyone got shoved back into the seat, my mum would press play. And as the plane took off, you could see her going, I will not be afraid. Because she's just speaking out over herself that I will not be afraid in this circumstance. This circumstance that gives me fear, I am not going to let it hold me back. Maybe you need to declare some stuff over yourself. Maybe you need to let your feelings catch up with the truth of who God says you are. Maybe you need to let your feelings catch up with who God says you are. Maybe you don't feel like a child of God. Maybe you don't feel like you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe you don't feel like a masterpiece. Maybe you don't feel like you're called by God. Maybe you don't feel like you're able to represent Jesus to your mates. But if you say it enough over yourself, Eventually, your feelings will catch up with who God says you are. You see, it was midnight. It didn't make sense. It was confusing. It was dark. But they knew to fix their mind on Jesus. They knew that they had to make their senses focus on Jesus. So they prayed, they sang, and they declared and off the back of that came suddenly suddenly something happened suddenly a new season began suddenly prison doors opened suddenly freedom was available for them but they had to fix their minds on Jesus you see on the other side of midnight there's suddenly and suddenly means freedom Maybe maybe God wants to give you a suddenly tonight. Maybe your suddenly is in September and a change of season and suddenly things feel different. Maybe your suddenly will be at Limitless Festival. Maybe, maybe your suddenly is a year away or two years away. I know for some of you, you've had a suddenly this year where you spent a long time going, yeah, I know about God, but mm, it doesn't really make that much difference in my life. But suddenly this past year, something's changed. See, on the other side of midnight, there's suddenly. And suddenly means freedom. But let me say this, however long midnight lasts, when things stop making sense, make your senses turn to Jesus. Do you know, for us as Life Central Youth, I'm really praying that, that our suddenly comes in September. There's a lot of us in transition. There's a lot of us not sure what's going on and struggling to make sense of a season. But I really am praying that suddenly in September, there'll be a new momentum. Suddenly in September, God will do something that he's never done before in Life Central Youth. So, you know, I've got, I, I dream of a day where we have more than 100 young people coming every week to cruise across all of our locations. I dream of a day when we have more than 100 young people at Threads. Not because numbers, like, I'm not about the numbers, but numbers represent people. And at Life Central Youth, we're about young people finding and following Jesus. And the more people that we reach, the more people that we can help find and follow Jesus. 
But none of that happens without fixing our minds on Jesus. So what we're going to do to close out an academic year is we're going to sing together. We're going to raise a hallelujah. We are going to sing and say, do you know what? I'm not sure what season I'm in, but that season that I am in, I'm going to fix my senses. I'm going to make my senses turn to Jesus. So we're going to sing together. So I'd love you to stand to your feet and make your way down here. And this isn't going to be a a response time as such. Our response is that we're going to worship, is that we're going to sing, is that we're going to do what Paul and Silas did in that inner cell. We're going to do what they did when it was midnight, when it was confusing, when they didn't know what was going on, but they just went, do you know what? I'm going to declare that Jesus is mighty to save. I'm going to declare that he is a way maker, that he is light in the darkness. I am literally going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies, in the middle of the storm that I find myself in, when I don't know what's going on, where it feels rubbish, where I don't understand what I feel about myself. I am going to declare that God, you are good. The circumstances that I'm in are rubbish and are terrible and are doing my head in. But God, I know that you're flipping good and I am going to praise you no matter what goes on, no matter how confused I am. I am going to raise a hallelujah to Life Central. I would love it if you close your eyes and put your hands in the air if you felt comfortable and just begin to declare now that what you believe of God to be true, you might not feel it tonight, but let your feelings catch up with the truth of who God says you are. So just speak it out. Don't be shy. The music's loud. You can speak out and say, God, I trust you. I believe in who you are. God, I know I am a child of God. I know I am called. I know I am set apart. God, I trust you. God, you are here with me. You are mighty to save. God, you are a way maker. Tonight, in the middle of the storm, in the midst, in the presence of my enemies, at midnight, when I'm confused, I'm down and depressed, I am going to raise a hallelujah to say, God, you are good. Despite my circumstances, you are good. God, you are in control. And I trust you in this changing season in my life, Life Central Youth. Let's raise a hallelujah together.